This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters, where we talk all things property, whether it's big, small, national, international or otherwise. I just scan through the news, see what's happening and bring to you anything from the conditions of the market through to some strange and unusual stories. Occasionally we have bad lords, bad landlords, bad tenants as well, which we will today just to give some examples of people who are doing things wrong. But first of all, just in local news, the Palmas North Cricket Ground is finally going to move into the modern world, and this was uh, reported in Stuff by Jimmy Ellingham. The Manawatu Cricket Association wants to host an international team warming up for next year's Women's World Cup at Fitzherbert Park, as well as domestic women's and girls' tournaments. But the lack of proper facilities for women and youths was becoming a handbrake on the ground. The women's team, when the women's teams play, they use changing rooms upstairs in the park's grandstand, which have private toilets and showers. But other women involved in games, such as umpires or officials, are forced to use in unsuitable areas downstairs, such as communal showers or toilet cubicles next to urinals. There was also a problem during girls' and boys' youth tournaments where four teams were playing on the ground, not just two, and they can't all use the upstairs room. So the Cricket Association asked the Palmerston North City Council, which owns a grandstand, to fund an upgrade expected to cost eighty dollars to $100,000, and this week the council confirmed that the work will take place by July 2023. Bryce Hosking, the council property manager, said that we have a dedicated funding programme for updating changing rooms at our sports fields. And they've already been alerted to concerns at Fitzherbert Park and have scheduled the changing room upgrade to occur at some point over the next two financial years. So that's good news. Uh, brings the ability there to host better tournaments and that sort of thing. So it's property related, uh, of course, um, just how things are being uh, done up by the council over time. It's nice to know that these facilities are on a continual rotating basis of being done up. Here's an article here from uh, Catherine Harris. It says, Empty shelves hamper the building industry's COVID recovery. So the effects of COVID-19 continue to linger on the house building sector, which is now being held back by supplies. A statistics New Zealand survey covering 3,000 new home projects showed that half were still being impacted in the March quarter by COVID-19 problems. For more than two-thirds of the homes, availability of building materials and equipment was the number one impact. Auckland is the hardest hit. Auckland Master Builders President Tony Pexton said empty shelves in building supply stores were starting to become the norm. There's no doubt in the building industry, whether it's Auckland or anywhere, that building supply is a huge, huge topic, he said. Not just timber supply, but every product you can think of. Some people are trying to buy in bulk and put it in warehouses, and I know suppliers are seeing through that and trying to make sure that everyone is looked after. But it is going to hold the industry up a bit. So Auckland has a high number of projects underway 
and the city accounts for 43% of all new homes being built nationally. But despite the shortages, new figures on the amount of construction work underway show the construction industry has plenty of work in the pipeline. I know around these parts in Manawatu there is now quite a reasonably significant wait from in order to get your home built. And of course the lack of certain supplies can mean a complete stop in some cases until those uh, those things are rectified. Interesting that uh, another thing with building, of course, is if you are building a house, and a lot of investors are looking at building as an alternative to buying existing homes now due to the, uh, the, the negative factors that the government has brought into place on the purchase of existing homes for rent. So this means that uh, I've been valuing a lot of properties from plans, but what's interesting about that is investors can buy a property off plans at a fixed price but due to some of these delays, it can take quite some time before the property is actually built. And during that time, house prices may have risen considerably, giving instant equity in those homes. It's also quite a good way for first home buyers to go with regards to new builds, particularly in or two where things are a bit cheaper. Which leads a little bit to the next article, which is from Voxy. .co.nz and says that two key things making the regions doable. With the country's real estate market still roaring along, much is attributed to the lack of housing supply and record low interest rates. But one real estate boss says that two other key factors are also adding fuel to the fire. The owner of Century 21 New Zealand, Darren Main, says the growing acceptance of remote working and the arrival of holiday home management and marketing companies have made living in the regions and buying a batch much more achievable. Ms Main says companies like Booker Batch, Batch Care and Airbnb have meant more families can now service a second mortgage thanks to a good income stream many holiday houses can now attract. Further, with the borders largely shut, strong domestic tourism has only boosted the appeal of owning a batch you can casually rent out. The Century 21 leader says, likewise, going to coastal, river or lake property is now more viable for holidaymakers as mum, dad or both can often still work if Wi-Fi is available. COVID has seen many Kiwis exploring their own backyard, but it has also fast-tracked companies and organisations' digital enablement and acceptance. In short, employers and employees have got used to working from home and that's changed people's mindsets as to where they can live, said Miss Main. She says the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand's monthly statistics on median house price sales have been incredibly strong for regional New Zealand, driven partly by city dwellers seeking an easier lifestyle, adding to local demand. And I know I had uh, a couple of friends uh, during lockdown and even afterwards who who went on to uh, working from home, uh, working here in Palmer's North for jobs that were in Wellington, and then um, for a while there they they kept that going. So it's interesting uh, as an example, we could buy somewhere cheaper. And it was interesting to know that those are factors as well. So what's been happening with the market and property values? This article from stuff.co.nz says, Property values rise again in May, but at a slower pace, says QV. So the growth in property values has slowed over the last three months for the first time since last July, according to QV House Price Index, released on Tuesday. The national average value rose 8.8% for the three months to the end of May, compared with 8.9% quarterly growth in April. So while the headline talks about a slower pace, it's really not that much slower, you could say, but it makes for a good headline. 
So the national average value of 931,000, or actually it's quite close to 932,000, was still significantly higher than a year ago, up 23.7%, QV General Manager David Nagel said. But that was a bigger annual gain than April's 21.4% rise. So house prices really have soared since the COVID-19 lockdown in 2020, with growth in New Zealand running at the second fastest rate in the world, according to international property consultancy Knight Frank Global. In the Auckland region, the average value rose 8.4% over the quarter to $1.3 million and was up 21.8% on a year earlier. So really significant changes there. Uh, we'll just have a look here as to our region, if it's here in the article. It's actually not. Uh, however, those figures are certainly in the 20s in terms of the uh, growth and capital value over the last year. Nagel did say a housing supply shortage and low interest rate continued to drive property prices. He says talks of interest rates potentially rising later next year, coupled with some dire price predictions from the Reserve Bank and the central government, doesn't seem to have affected the market as much as they had hoped. And this is something I talked about on the show previously, which is the media or the government saying things to scare the market to try and slow it down, indicating things like a crash and so forth, which can then create a self-fulfilling prophecy. This article also in the same vein says rampant housing prices are slowing as the government housing policies start to bite. This from Stuff. In November of last year, Jacinda Ardern said it just cannot keep increasing at the rate that it is when asked about rising house prices. Tighter lending criteria along with the government's new housing policies are having an effect with the rise in house prices slowing. Again, those core logic figures indicating that it has just slowed slightly. There were some exceptions. Uh, Tauranga has continued going well. Uh, Wellington is going well as well. So I think it's probably slowed a bit more in the likes of Auckland. And of course, that affects the national figures because uh, the Auckland number of sales is pretty huge in terms of volume. I think it's close to 50% of all the sales in the country. So uh, following on from that, there's another article I've got here as I'm leafing through my pages. And it's interesting because I'm... Doing this show for the last couple of years, I've noticed that economists say all sorts of things and they're sometimes right and, and more often wrong. But this article from landlords.co.nz, I'll never say whether it's right or wrong at this stage, it's called Get Ready for Housing Upheaval. So mortgage borrowing investors have been warned to make a five-year plan for high interest rates. So Tony Alexander, the independent economist, says it's important if interest rates rise to a level borrowers do not expect – he says the best outcome is the pace of house prices increases or price increases slows to below 10% a year from now, especially if interest rates rise. If come March 22, house prices are still rising at a pace above 10% per annum, the government will hit investors' expense deductibility again and again until the buying subsidies and average price rises settle at about 5% per year. At no stage has, it said, has the government said it wants house prices to decline, Tony Alexander says. His warning comes as he points out the difference between a physical shortage of properties, like people living in sleepouts, caravans and kids unable to leave home, and a shortage of willing sellers. Alexander says the 29% rise in average house prices since May of last year has not occurred because the population has suddenly jumped in size 
or because a lot of houses have suddenly fallen down. The price surge reflects far stronger growth than the number of people wanting to buy than the number wanting to sell. He says the different shifts in the numbers of buyers and sellers is a basic economics exercise. If demand and supply curves are drawn and the equilibrium price level and the equilibrium quantity noted, then the demand curve is shifted out to the right and up, while the supply curve is shifted just a little bit out and up. The equilibrium shift to higher prices on average and slightly higher turnover. So what does this mean? It means the market has functioned and nobody can say there's a shortage of properties in the housing market. He says there is no marking shortage, just an abundance of frustration. So the sharp rise in the number of people wanting to buy but finding themselves priced out has led them to you to use the word shortage at the same time as there is a discussion about three true shortages. The first is not enough social housing. Uh, the OECD average proportion of a country's housing stock, which is devoted to social purposes, is just over 7%. We sit at under 4%, so we have a social housing shortage, which, of course, on this show, I've been saying for the past couple of years, just build, build, build social housing. Second, since the mid-1990s, only about 5% of dwelling consents have been for houses priced in the lowest 25% of the house price ranges in the country. Before then, about 25% of consents fell within this low price range bracket, so there was a shortage of affordable housing. Third, between 1991 and 2018, the household occupancy rate in Auckland rose from 2.87 to 3.15, where the rest of the country has seen its occupancy rate Go down. So therefore, Auckland has a shortage compared with 1991. The bulk of the rest of the country does not. So Alexander says the ever-present talk of a housing shortage, regardless of population growth in recent decades, has created a determination to purchase by many people. He says this is why houses are like toilet paper. If people think there's a shortage and if other people reinforce that, thinking by echoing those words back, then a frenzy develops. And this is an extra layer on the housing demand cake, which Alexander says can be placed on top of the base or primary layer. The primary layer is simply people who have saved up enough money for a deposit, reaching the time when they look to buy or need to shift for work, so they sell and buy. Or the fresh need for a bigger or smaller house, so they sell and buy, and so on. He goes on later in the article to say, for those with a long-term focus, the extension of the Brightline test and scrapping of mortgage interest deductibility are of little major relevance as they'll continue to focus on yield and take capital gains as a tax-free bonus. Where it will hurt is among fearful hordes who have flocked into the housing market over the past 12 months looking to ride a wave of buying promoted by the Reserve Bank, he says. Conditions have changed and borrowers need to shift their sights to a long-term period, cut back the immediate capital gain expectations adjust their financing to reflect the government's new policy changes and accept the majority Labour government is not doing them any favours. So quite a lot there from Tony Alexander, quite a lot to sink in. We'll actually have a little break now here on Property Matters, a little bit of music from Avicii with Wake Me Up. Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine by me So wake me up when 
you're back, you're listening to Property Matters on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo, Irirangi o Nga Tangata o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson, it's lovely having your company. I'm just going to carry on a little bit just for a minute before our Bad Landlords, Bad Tenants section uh, about the market and this article from Stuff says it will take a flood of properties coming onto the market to reverse price rises according to industry report. The latest real estate .co.nz report shows there were a total of almost 15,000 houses for sale nationwide in May, which is a drop of 29% on the same month last year. So housing stock was down year on year in all but one of the 19 regions, with stock in five regions falling to all-time lows since records began. So that was what we are talking about before the break. Tony Alexander saying there is a reluctance for people to sell, so that's really quite true. So we're now going to go to Bad Landlords, Bad Tenants, where we talk about some stories that have been in the media. And this is about the band 
called McFly. This is from overseas. Um, this was on yahoo.com. It says, McFly once trashed a rental house with an indoor paintball fight. McFly had to get their wallets out when their paintball fight caused damage to the home where they were living. Uh, Giovanna Fletcher revealed that her husband Tom and his McFly bandmates once damaged a rental property by staging a paintball fight. Imagine that. Talk about landlord's worst nightmare. Uh, the 36-year-old revealed the band had to pay majorly in the aftermath. Essentially, she says, they were students with money. I went to bed early and I remember being woken up by the guys that had brought paint guns and they were having a paintball gun fight in the house. They are running around. I was like, oh my God, but these were fun times. She said it was a rented house. Needless to say, they did not get the deposit back and they had to pay majorly. So the article goes on, but uh, reminds me of when I was a, a teenager and my Uncle Dominique came and stayed with us for a while and he looked after us and myself and my brother while parents went out one night. And we were doing the dishes and we started a, a, a bit of a water fight, but then it started getting really out of control. We were chasing each other all through the house, throwing glasses of water, water pistols, the whole lot. And this went on for about 10 minutes or so of mad running around trying to get each other. And when we stopped, there was water on most of the walls, running down the walls, running down the wallpaper. And then we realised what we'd done and we had to quickly get towels and rub down every wall in the house before the parents got home. We managed to somehow dodge the bullet on that one. So here's a tenancy tribunal ruling. The powers of tenancy tribunal are a bit more powerful now. So rogue tenant fined $47,000 for trashing a rental property. 47000 So a North Auckland tenant was ordered to pay 47000 in damages after completely trashing his Whangaparaa rental property. Clinton de Marcy Challen put holes in every wall and some floors, ripped and cut the curtains, destroyed the stove and significantly damaged the plumbing and wiring the tenancy found. He's been ordered to pay just a bit over $47,000 in damages to Barfoot and Thompson Limited, Whangaparaua, immediately after he's found to have deliberately vandalised the property, including ruining the bathroom and kitchen, leaving the landlords with a massive repair bill. The kitchen required fixing and the oven had to be replaced after it had been destroyed and then dumped in the backyard. Pipes had been damaged and the bathroom needed a refit. The solid wooden floorboards were riddled with holes and had to be replaced with a cheaper particle board. Every wall in the house was deliberately holed, broken or moved, the tribunal said. The damage was so extensive that the implement used to damage the walls even pierced through some parts of the exterior cladding. Doors and windows were also broken and required urgent repairs to make the house secure again. The tribunal found the claims for repairs only related to the damage caused by the tenant and the cost reflected that it was a modest house. The damage is, is more than fair wear and tear and the tenant has not disproved liability for the damage, the decision said. The tribunal awarded the landlord $47,000 in damages, which included almost 45000 in building repairs, 1600 to remove rubbish, 220 in lock services and $100 to replace the curtains. And here's the most important sentence in the whole article. The landlord was not insured for intentional damage, which means they're going to have to chase that tenant uh, probably forever to try and get that money back. So sad for those owners. Uh, please, if you are a landlord, look at getting intentional damage uh, insurance as well as loss of rent insurance that is usually an addition to the policy that you think is probably protecting you. Um, so if they had had that insurance, they would have had to pay one excess of prob whatever they had decided upon, but it's usually around $500, and that would have sorted the whole thing. So that's sad news for them. 
But then going the other way, there's this article in the bad landlords category. Auckland landlord must pay $16,000 compensation for renting out an uninhabitable home. So they must pay out more than $1,600 after renting out a property deemed dangerous and uninhabitable by the Tenancy Tribunal. The house in West Auckland's Sunnyvale had two broken showers, large holes in the floor and a toilet that could not be flushed without leaking raw sewage. Oh, yuck. The tenant, whose name was suppressed by the tribunal, was diagnosed with pneumonia after living at the house and now must use a nebulizer most days. So according to a recently released tribunal decision, she moved into the house in 2016. Fast Rental Limited originally managed the property, but it was later transferred to GL Property Management Services Limited after it was sold in January 2021. The tenant told the tribunal she began lodging complaints about the conditions of the property in 2017, but while some repairs were carried out that year, the majority of issues went unfixed. In 2018, the tenant complained about holes in the floor in the living room, kitchen, dining room, laundry and hallway. Isn't this incredible? She said that her two young children, a toddler and a newborn baby, were unable to use many areas of the house as a result, including the laundry, a shower and one of the bedrooms. A second shower can only be used by using a bucket to catch the water and emptying it outside. In 2017, a storm destroyed the clothesline at the property, which has not been fixed, the tribunal heard. A fence had also fallen over and not been fixed. The tenant said she'd spent significant amounts of money heating the property and drying her clothes in a laundromat. Isn't this incredible? The family's winter power bills had been as high as $700 a month. In April 2021, the tenant obtained a healthy home assessment at her own cost. The report said the entire open plan kitchen, dining lounge has very large holes in the floor that open directly to the subfloor. You can also feel underneath carpet exposed holes through the property. The report also referred to makeshift floorboards in the laundry and the floor collapsing in the bathroom. The landlord claimed he was not aware of the condition of the property until January 2021 and would do the repairs as soon as possible. But Tribunal Adjudicator Nicole Walker did not accept that and said action should have been taken in January. I'll get the impression that it was a change of ownership. The house was uninhabitable and the tenant's toddler was unable to run round as a child normally would do, she said. That child was living in a dangerous, unhealthy home. So Walker awarded the tenant almost $17,000, which included compensation of $9,000 for living conditions and $7,500 in refunded rent. So quite incredible there. We have a bad tenant, bad landlord and a rock band uh, causing problems in this week's show. And uh, it's just amazing what conditions people are put into by what is really an extremely small proportion of landlords. Remember, most landlords are absolutely compliant with all the latest rules, but the fines have got a lot larger. I mean, look at the size of of some of those payments, almost $50,000 by a tenant, $16,000 by a landlord for doing the wrong things. Admittedly, pretty extreme, but it just goes to show you should be really careful with uh, what you're doing as a landlord or not doing on a rental property as those fines have got a lot bigger, a lot larger this year. Hopefully, though, you'll be looking after tenants and looking after the homes in a way that's suitable and keeping them healthy and well. And I'll leave you with that thought this week. I'm Greg Watson, and this is Property Matters. It's been lovely having your company, and I look forward to catching up this time in a week. Or if you're listening to this where all good podcasts are found, you might better just pop on to the next one if it's there already. Thanks for listening. 
Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.